Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greetings and salutations. You've successfully arrived at the bloody, disgusting network. The passage of time will now bring you to something strange, unique, and idiosyncratic. Have a good time. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too, and I'll be right there behind you. Greetings, constant listeners, and welcome back to The Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast presented by Bloody FM, the number one horror podcast network out there. And thank you to Charlie Lawrence and the most for our always catchy theme song, The Friend Song, which you can listen to on Spotify and Bandcamp. And I think that's it. I think that's it. But that's good. You got two options right there. So so go find them. I'm your host, Michael Monroeville Mall Rothman, hanging out in the Dairy Public Library with my favorite co-host. Please introduce yourself. Hey, this is Jen, the librarian Adams. And yeah, my favorite place to hang out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The library. I mean, it's, we are so cool, right? I was going to say, I always thought the library was fairly cool. I, I I don't know if it, I always knew that it has a reputation of just like, kind of like, all right, well, like the bookworms in elementary mm-hmm. school and what have you are going to be in there. I had a pretty cool library in elementary school, but what about you? Did you did you have like a pretty good one, or was it more at high school that you had a better library? Our high school library was awesome. Um, yeah. I, elementary was pretty good, but we um, I went to high school downtown, and we were like blocks away from the city library, so oh. we had like the best of both worlds because we yeah. had our our super cool library that was like on the third floor, and we could look out across Nashville, and then we could just walk down to the public library, which is much better now than when I went to high school there. But and a fun fact: right next door was a strip club called the Classic Cat, so oh. it was always fun little chaser, you know, walking in with your books. I wonder if there was ever any librarians that worked at the the, the strip club, and it would be like the Van Halen, uh, the Hot for Teacher, a little I, bit. Yeah, like you Varsity know. Blues. I was gonna, you know, it's funny. I right when I said hot for teacher i was thinking no it's varsity blues that's what you're thinking of <laughs> but that's um, the song she strips to yeah that is true the, i'm sorry dances to dances Dance, to. dances and probably reads to also yeah, yeah. yeah. I, i'm yeah. sure our guest today is extremely stoked 
that we're talking about this. Uh, but here's we're, we're on theme because right now, right. this episode, today, we are going to be talking all about libraries because we've got the president of the Maine Library Association joining us, Sonia Durney, who reached out to us last month and pitched us an episode on Stephen King and Tabitha King's recent keynote speech at the Maine Library Association fundraiser. And, uh, you know, don't act too surprised, Jen, because I know we recorded this conversation about a week ago. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I, I thought Sonia was a great guest, as, as oh, you're yeah. going to hear up ahead. Um, you know, we spoke all about the role of libraries in today's communities. We spoke about the trials and tribulations that uh, these institutions, unfortunately, have to continue to brave yeah. every day. Stuff like outrage and censorship and all those fun things that are now, unfortunately, American customs and traditions. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and obviously, we talk about King's contributions. Um, in fact, Sonia gave us exclusive use to share some of the sound bites from said keynote, all of which you'll uh, hear uh, up ahead. Uh, anything you want to tease, Jen? Because I, I, this is a pretty interesting conversation. I feel like it went into like very different, like twists and turns, you know, for the most part. It really did. A lot of what we were talking about was just how much we love the library and yeah. librarians and what it's like to be a librarian. And in our Oops All Tangents episodes, we were talking about like what we would do if we had fuck you money and we could do whatever we wanted and we didn't yeah. have to worry about it. And I said, I couldn't think of what I actually wanted to do. And I think I said chef or like <laughs> I would go to like seminary school or something. But I think what I've been thinking about that a lot. And I think I would like I would be a librarian if I could do anything I wanted, you know. Um, because it just sounds so romantic. It sounds like you just get to spend all day reading and like frolicking around like Belle and Beauty and the Beast, oh, that's you know. True. Yeah. But what I think we learned from Sonia is that there's a lot more to it and that it's a, a really complex job that really needs our support right now. Um, and so we learned a lot about libraries, but we also learned about how cool Steve and Tabby are as he asks her to call them in the interview. And yeah. it was just so sweet. They actually met at a library. Um, it was th to hear them like reminisce about like the shit they were getting up to in the library. It, it was just such a really fun conversation. One that we have with Sonia and that we got to listen to. Um, and we put a lot of the really fun clips into the episode too. So that, so you're just going to get a whole bunch of really cool library stuff. Well, <laughs> Hey, I can't sell it better than that. So why don't we just get to it right <laughs> the now? The library stuff. The yeah. library. <laughs> we should, if only, if only, uh, you know, there were, if instead of being librarian girl, it was librarian girl. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we could have used that as seg music right now. But instead, we'll go with the most. <laughs> hey, Hi, how you doing? Morning. How are you doing? Good. 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 Nice to meet you. Nice, nice to, to meet me you, too. Thank you so much for having me. This is exciting and terrifying at the same time. Oh, <laughs> oh no, no. I'm super oh, no. excited. <laughs> Honestly, if you've been in the same room with Stephen King, I think talking to to us uh, plebeians exactly. <laughs> is going to be no problem whatsoever. Um, but uh, no, thank, thank you so much for reaching out because this is honestly, this was something I, I legit almost flew out for. I really wanted to go. I mm -hmm. was, was debating. I remember we have a text thread. So last year there's about like 12 co-hosts on this podcast it's pretty ridiculous but we've we had a, a core four that went out uh last year to to bangor and we've kept a text thread 
since then. And so we, we just keep it going. This is all just so inside baseball for listeners. I can't believe I'm putting this out there, but like, I, I, you know, we, when this event happened, I was like, um, reunion in Maine, are we going? And I, Mm -hmm. and ultimately we just, we couldn't make it happen. But so when I got, you know, when you reached out and, and, and about interest, I was just, the, the exclamation marks over my head because I just was really excited to hear like what went happen, you know, what went down, what was happening. Um, you know, because we always love to hear, you know, what he's saying, but just this topic alone was really interesting to us because mm-hmm. honestly, this podcast wouldn't exist if we didn't have a love for libraries, right? Like if we didn't have that sort of our own origin story. So I think what we really wanted to hear from from you first off is, you know, Sonia, what what was your origin story at the libraries and why is why is the library your life you know yeah well that's an interesting question um that librarians get asked a lot and i think most librarians answer that because they grew up going to libraries and love taking the books home which is definitely a piece of it but i think i fell more in love with libraries when i was in college i was a first generation college student and i was also a commuter so i felt a little bit of a disconnect often with my college community but the library is the one place where i really felt like i belonged and that mm. i was an academic if that sounds kind of nerdy but i felt like a serious <laughs> student when i was in the library and it felt like a big piece of my identity there so let's start tonight if we can by talking about your library origin stories did you use your library as kids tabby i understand your home library was the old town public library and steve we understand you spent a lot of time hanging around bookmobiles as a child yeah there was a there was a bookmobile that came around uh to west durham where i lived and parked at the old one-room school and uh that was in the summertime and man that was great we just waited for that and i basically lived at the old town public library i was so excited to hear stephen king talk about bookmobiles because that was that was mine i grew up going to bookmobiles and i would wait outside not my elementary school but the rival elementary school and wait for the bookmobile to show up check out stephen king i think i checked out some uh, garfield comic books also so yeah i was i was so excited to hear about that because bookmobiles are fantastic and i wish we had more of them and it's so exciting isn't it when you get home with your big stack of books and they're all uh-huh. free Read whichever one you want first, or depending on your mood, you could read a different one. I love that. Totally. I spent uh, part of my childhood until we came back to Maine when I was 10 uh, in Stratford, Connecticut. And I have a very clear memory of the Stratford Library. And I used that uh, in a book that I wrote called It, which was about a uh, bad clown, but the, the book was also about the difference between being children and being adults, and what's gained in adulthood and what's lost in adulthood. And that library uh, had a children's part to it, okay? Uh, it had a, a, a building, and it was connected to a much older stone building that was the adult library. And there was a passageway between the two of them, between the children's library and the uh, adult library. And at that time, the reality of the situation was that it was just a corridor. Basically, you went through, it was heated. And and I thought to myself, when I write this book, I'm going to make that a glass corridor so you can see people going back and forth. Because to me, the libraries were a symbol of uh, 
intelligence, reading, and a willingness to actually open your mind to other things. And when I thought about that glass corridor, I thought about how children become adults. And I, I love that, that ability, that, that, that symbolism for that. But I also just love the library. When you were a kid, you could get three books. And I, it was so, it was so goddamn hard to pick those three books. <laughs> but when you were an adult, and my mother would give me her orange library card, and you could go into the adult library, and you could get as many as you wanted. <laughs> I was never restricted. <laughs> I could always take as many books as I wanted. Well, aren't you special? And I was. Yeah, I I did not have I did not have a bookmobile unfortunately. I'm from my, my I'm from Miami, so we we did we did have a really great library uh that was local to both Miami and then also um I was kind of like a military brat when it comes to living in South Florida, I just lived everywhere. But like I the the library in in uh in Fort Lauderdale was just I I adored it. And it's you know, it's funny in this conversation um or the keynote he talks so much um, about the library that inspired uh, the Dairy Public Library and it of having the connective bridge between the adult library and the children's library because that's I, I had a bridge that was I as a kid I always used to joke around thinking it was like an Indiana Jones thing because it was this out I mean everything in, in, in South Florida is outdoors but the outdoor bridge to the library was like covered in this like ivy that kind of they just let grow all over the concrete and it just looked so magical and as a kid that was like such a fun introduction to i mean it, it sounds so precious but it really is precious it was just this magical place because you you would walk in through this bridge and that made it so much more adventurous to me and it's so when he was saying that i mean we I, i've heard of him talk about that 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 connective uh tunnel before but the way he described it here at least in you know in conjunction of just the importance of what that that metaphor meant for him um was I don't know, it hit me the, you know, personally, just because that that was the first introduction to me, it was just going over this thing. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's just a part of libraries in general, or if like everyone <laughs> builds, it's like, let's make the metaphor a, a literal thing here. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, it, it was it was really heartwarming. I, I did want to ask, though, you know, with regards to just the the role of libraries right now, because I think one of the things that I really found uh, incredibly important my the, the most important takeaway i would say out of this keynote is is something that you know tabby you know, was getting at and then also it's you know stephen uh hammered in like right after it was just the idea that the library is an institution to kind of decimate information you know it's a it's a way to to look at multiple points of the story as tabby outlined and then as King hammered the idea that you have all this information out there and you are able to ones, you're the ones that are able to, de to decipher what's fact and what's fiction. Mm -hmm. When I was 12 or 13, I can't remember which summer it was. I spent that summer um, in the periodicals archive, which was a room in the cellar that was lined with uh, various periodicals piled up. I mean, I don't think they have them in libraries anymore. I think they just have digital stuff. But uh, there were there was probably 50 years of periodicals of various kinds. And I read my way through um, early 20th century history that way uh, from various points of view. And it taught me that you can tell the same story 
from very different points of view. And that you have to look at where the story is coming from to evaluate how accurate it is. It was an education in and of itself. And for me, that's really what the library always is. It is our ultimate educational institution. It's with us from the time we're little guys and somebody reads to us until we're elderly people who are shuffling around looking for a new mystery to read. <laughs> so, um, but that to me was a very significant moment in, I guess it was when I graduated from the Old Town Library because I read that stuff. Um, some of it was probably not something I should have been reading. I saw my first Holocaust pictures in those periodicals. So, um, so that's my old town library graduation. It's hard to, to overestimate how valuable you people are to the community, to the country, and to the world because you're the custodians going back to what? Egypt, even before that, of intellectual development, compassion, uh, all the positive emotions, and the ability to separate fact from fiction and to grow the imagination. And particularly in a state like Maine, where, you know, it's still sometimes very difficult for children, particularly, to find what they need to grow mentally. And you guys supply that. And I mean, God bless you, you know, for, for what you do, because it's hugely important. And I think that is such an important theme, especially in today where information is rampant. Information is everywhere. I mean, to the point where there's too much information and there's too many voices saying so many different opinions, so many different things. How has the library evolved, do you feel, with that sort of demand of information and also still being that crossroads to find the answers? Libraries have evolved in a lot of ways. It used to be that, well, first, first, um, the books were behind the stacks and you would have to go up to the librarian and ask for a book and it would be brought out to you. Then there were open stacks, but the focus was still the books. It was always the books and collecting the books and figuring out the best books to buy. But now libraries, um, are they're much more community spaces. So with all of this information, we have a large increase of folks coming in to help identify and evaluate what is good information. Like I'm looking for um, a public, as a public librarian, you'll have folks come in looking for information on like health issues. And of course, like their doctor is their first person they should be speaking to, but we always want more information on what it is we're looking for. And with health information, there's so much wonderful health information on the internet that's legit. And there's so much bad stuff. So being able to come into a library and talk to a librarian and say like, I need some resources on this thing and walk away with those, I think is a huge role of librarians. And also even just the technology needed to get to some of this information. Like for many of us, cell phones and um, laptops are ubiquitous, but many folks don't have these items. And so many resources that folks need to connect with, whether it's veterans connecting with the VA office or other 
telehealth issues or filing your taxes, that is all done online now. So librarians are also there. If we won't do your taxes for you. That would be illegal. We're there to connect you with like the infrastructure you need to get to that information. So I think that's a big change in libraries. It's not just books. It's the evaluation of the information. Um, it still is books, um, but we can't get all of the books, obviously. So libraries have policies that guide like which books we buy. So that gets into like libraries reflecting their communities and librarians as trained professionals doing their best jobs with their budget to get high quality books that they think reflect the information needs of their communities. Which is important. Absolutely mm -hmm. important right now. Well, I know a lot of the librarian, libraries in my community service polling centers too. And so it it feels kind of like like the school after school, like it's a school setup that is like open to everyone of all ages. Like I've taken my kids to the story hours at our local library and then like my parents have gotten resources there also. And I think it's really interesting to think about how that has evolved over the digital space too, because I listen to Libby a lot. So how has that kind of changed the way people can access the library? Because if I think about the last time I actually set foot in the library. It was probably a couple of years ago, but I accessed it this morning, you know? Right. Yeah. There's all sorts of ways to access your library, which was great. Obviously during the pandemic, when we all mm -hmm. shut down, people could still get resources and libraries were doing curbside pickup and we had our internet on so people could sit in the parking lot and have access to the internet if they don't have it at home. So um, that's definitely changed. We um, track all our statistics to look at our visit visits and online visits now count also. But there are still tons of folks who love coming into the library. You mentioned some different demographics that definitely do. Kids, teenagers love the library, which is surprising, right? Because you think teenagers are too cool, but they love it. Like um, they're in there after school. Many libraries will have tutors or homework clubs or video game clubs or even like play soccer games in um, communities with lots of kids who love soccer. So there's all sorts of different things going on. And I loved, I uh, worked in a larger urban library before my current job and teens were in there. The school was right across the street all day. And some of the older school library patrons would be like, oh, they're being very loud in there. And we were all like, yes, isn't that wonderful? It's yeah. great. They feel safe here. This is their space. And if you do want quiet space, you can head up to the third floor and it's nice and quiet there. <laughs> yeah, that, that's so that's so funny because I was one of the things I wanted to bring up that one of my favorite anecdotes is uh, the school trip that we had as a kid to learn just how to, to, to use the library. And at this point, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty ancient at this point, but I, I felt like, you know, the, they mentioned the way that, you know, things used to be filed and that I didn't, you know, growing up when I went to early on to the, the library, it was like, you didn't get to actually, you had to use card catalogs. Like I, that was my thing it was like, you know, when Tabby mentioned that I was like, Oh my gosh, that was something I had to do. Also, it was, it was like, I had, they're like, all right, well go to the drawer find out where it is and then, you know, go to the level of the, the, you know, the floor. And part of the, the big trip to the library for us in school was having the parents, which I thought was really cool. Cause I remember my dad going, which my dad was never able to go to field trips, but he went, he was like jumped at the ability to go to this one because he just loved libraries. And they walked us through how to do this. Like, you know, and then librarians are with us too. And it was such a fun experience because it really did feel like the playground, like, like you were saying, like mm -hmm. we were, I mean, we were all, you know, not screaming and we weren't like that bad, but like, we were all just like, oh my gosh, look at this book. And then, you know, some of us would get jealous about another book that we would get, but we'd all be running around and it was welcomed. Like it was, that was like a big thing. Cause like, you know, at the end of the day, we're walking away with, you know, one or two books 
I think in our case, we only were allowed also three, but it, I just remembered it was the, the, the choice of it all. And then the experience of searching it all. And I do feel like that is a part that I do miss with when it comes to the digital aspect of it, Jen, like, right. I, you know, I, yeah. I've never been able to go over the, the the digital realm. Like, I I, I still have to buy and, and hold the books uh, physically, uh-huh. so I can't I can't do it. But I so I do. I'm going to get you there one day. I'm going to find your yeah, your okay. perfect Audible book. <laughs> I just I have to hold it, and it's it. I do mm-hmm. I do miss the because I I think the 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 big thing that people talk about with this type of exploration exploration now is like how streaming is right. Like mm. when you think about how we used to go to the video store to find a video or a DVD or, or, or anything. Now it's just, okay, let me cycle through the fifth or sixth streaming network that I have. And I do miss that experience of going to the store and finding it. So the fact that Mm -hmm. you could still do that with the library is something that I'm hoping is a timeless tradition. That's never going to change. Like I really want that to stay forever because I do think that is a big part of learning is, is to, is to respect the idea of what it's like to categorize books, which, ultimately leads to something else that's not even just about books in general it's just life like i i do i don't think it's a stretch to say that these experiences i had as a kid learning about the library translated to other ways to how you categorize you know even just studies and and research and and the going forward with school and stuff so i don't I don't know if that's a long-winded way of just saying that that's another way I look at the the library, but um, I mean these are these are these are things that I I still hope are instruments that are being taught to kids today, where like they're coming in, they're learning the mechanics of the library. But um, you know, I'm just that I just think that's a, such an important facet of life that I don't want to ever change. But yeah, no, the kids are definitely still coming in. I mean, they go into the public library more so with their family, but in schools, they'll come into the elementary school library. That's my son's favorite day of the week in his third grade class. He's really into goosebumps right now. So he'll bring uh, them home. Nice. Um, and also in college, that's like my job at the college is reaching out to the faculty and asking them to bring their students in so we can help them get started on their research on the right foot uh, as just um, to you know find better information and also save them time. Because as you said, there's so much information out there. Mm-hmm. Hello, this is Jason, co-host of the All 80s Movies Podcast with a message from Factor Meals. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you will always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you will always have new flavors to explore. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 and use code 80smovies50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code 80smovies50 at factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Well, that's another huge thing that I love about the libraries. And I'm always so excited when I see a microfiche montage in movies. And I know <laughs> it's not, it probably doesn't, is not <laughs> quite like it was, but it's like, I think when I think of the library, I think about going and checking out a book and like getting really excited and um, reading fiction. But there is so much more like periodicals and research. And it's really difficult to wade through all of that on your own. And when I was teaching the librarians, they 
weren't called librarians anymore. They were called media specialists because they were teaching the students really kind of how to navigate all of that information. And I think the more you learn, the more you know, you can't ever learn everything there is to know. So you have to learn how to learn and how to access the information. And I think that's really a crucial job of librarians. But I wanted to ask, like, what is the day-to-day like of a librarian? Because I think when most of us think of that, they think, oh, you go put your books on the shelf and maybe you like make sure the library is straight. But what I'm sure there's probably a lot more to it. Absolutely. Yeah. So a big piece of it is what you just mentioned, talking about finding and evaluating resources. We call that information literacy. And that's a huge goal of all librarians. But really, um, there's so many different library jobs. Like, yeah, like, as you mentioned, people think we put the books on the shelves and wear a cardigan, leave our cat at home, (laughs) Um, which is part of it, putting the books on the shelves. So there's a job within libraries that um, most libraries have a shelver and it's someone's job that they shelve the books. But then there's also the folks who order the books and then catalog the books and make sure the books are ready to circulate. There's the research and reference librarians who will help with those reference questions and help you sort of dig deeper into your work. There's also like health sciences librarians in hospitals, in different settings. There's legal librarians in law firms. There's um, public school librarians. There's academic librarians. There's all sorts of librarians. There's librarians who only do research on library issues. So it can be a million different things. Yeah, I mean, it really kind of rings true with what King was saying, which is the the custodians of the, the of the community, right? Of just making sure that you know these are the hearts and souls of this community. That 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 mm-hmm. not only just in terms of just culture, but information, and also just, I mean, I think there's there's it's so it's telling that in in so many even just science fiction stories, it's the library that endures, or it's the library that usually is this like sort of beacon of hope and future and and the grounds for discovery and also for, you know, keeping humanity. Like it's, it is like, it's almost like this, this artifact of humanity of just like, this is us. I mean, there's, you know, I've, I can't remember who said the quote, but it's like the, the strongest thing that humans have ever contributed is the written word. And I think that's true. I think that's something that, I mean, because when you think about just what it is, it's just, it is just this, this incredible institution of just everything that we've been able to do as human beings. And that might include things that aren't great, which I think is also very important to learn about too. I mean, in this, you know, in the keynote, uh, you know, Tabby talks about how she was first able to you know see pictures, pictures of the Holocaust. And like, mm-hmm. you know, I think we live in a day and age now where we've, it's so easy to kind of be able to block things out on the internet or to be like, all right, well, we need to not have this. We don't want to, you know, we want to protect, we want to make sure that this information is not out there. And I, my argument to that is, and that's not to say I don't want kids stumbling upon these macabre things, but I do think there's important part of, of what I was saying before of discovery, like going to the library, being able to it, you're taking a risk, you know, like maybe you do find a book that actually scares you. Maybe you do find a book that, that, that gets under your skin, but that also is a part of the human condition, I feel like. And I would argue, and I think that the ability of the library to continue to do that is part and parcel, absolutely an instrumental part of, of, of enduring and, and, and evolving. And I, I think, so the discussion of censorship and what's been going on, especially in this country, I imagine that's just like a day-to-day like argument and battle for librarians at this point is it or not or is it just 
you know, are it we is. kind of moving on? Okay. So it's still yeah. a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're not moving on. We're okay. Sadly. On no, the numbers for censorship have gone up substantially in the last uh. few years. It's continuing to happen. And it's also flowing over. It used to be maybe that like one parent would have a problem with a book, come in and complain about that book. And then the appropriate policy, because there are policies in place for all of these things would be filed. But it's now these lists are circulating that folks are getting and they're going in to ban this list of books, many times having not read them. So maybe seeing like a page or two of some graphic novel taken out of context that, you know, as a parent, I would say, oh, I don't want my kid to read this book. But if you're just looking at the pictures out of context, you can't really make that decision. And it's also not my job to decide what other parents' children should read. So the censorship is definitely going up. And the other um, disturbing trend is that there's laws coming out making librarianship illegal in many cases. So there's currently a clause in many state laws on obscenity in the classroom that um, we are, um, what's that word, exempt from charges. And this, um, there are no obscene materials for us. I just want to make clear, like libraries aren't full of these things, but there's some gray areas with some like sex ed materials and things that depending on your community could be called obscenity based on who's making that judgment. So they're trying, a lot of states are trying to remove that clause so that librarians can face jail time or large fees based on books in the collection. So that's like next level disturbing. We just had a bill Uh here in Maine last year. Luckily it did not pass, thankfully, but it took a lot of time and effort and um, community organization to push back on that. So it's taking up a lot of our time that we should actually be creating programs for our communities and working with our um, patrons. One of my colleagues, Lisa Varga in Virginia, who was like one of the most badass librarians I know, went to a school board meeting a few months ago and presented them with a bill. She wrote up all of the time she has had to spend working on censorship issues as opposed to doing her actual job and build them. I don't believe she actually got payment, but like the, the video of it's just amazing. Wow. Uh, yeah. It, That's incredible. Oh, I mean, it's it, terrifying. Yeah, totally terrifying. I mean, it, it's, 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 it's wild how like so much of this gets cyclical, right? Like where you look mm-hmm. back and you're like, you know, we, we've made movies about the perversity of like the way we get censorship in this country. I mean, like even just something as, as obvious as like the McCarthyism of it all, like, you know, the way we search for things. And yet we feel, I feel like we've just right back where we are again. Like, it's just like, I don't know why these yeah. echoes keep happening. You'd think, I don't know. I just, I, it's, it's, it's staggering to think that we're the stuff I've, I've read about is just all happening again as an echo. And the irony being that, you know, you can learn all about these things in the library. <laughs> like, like exactly. all, of, all of this history is there to show, yes, we've moved on from this. We're evolving as a culture. Let's do this. It's all there. And yet those, the, the very institution is that, you know, is is being charged for these things. It's just it's it's a, a it's a mess. And I and I imagine as a librarian, um, there's is there do you feel like there's an aversion to the you know to the profession because of this? Do you feel like this maybe scares away future librarians because they see this these these battles taking place? They see that, oh, gosh, this is like kind of a never ending push and pull. Is this going to be? Is this going to be an? Or I might get sent thing? to jail. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, hopefully 
folks are not scared to come into these roles because I honestly think being a librarian is the best job you can have. Um, obviously, I'm biased, but um, <laughs> it's just there's so many different ways to go with it. It's so rewarding. You learn new things every day, but it is definitely uh, a hard time for librarians, especially our friends in the school librarians. Folks are burned out. They're stressed out. There's so many cases of like librarians on social media with like their home address listed, calling them pedophiles and groomers, oh like a lot, a lot of really nasty stuff going on, um, which has caused many, some librarians to leave their roles or maybe switch to a quote unquote safer job where you're less in the spotlight. So it's really come up that how important it is for us all to work together, because as an academic librarian working in a college, we're not seeing as many of these book bans in college. So with my role with the Maine Library Association, I have a little bit more bandwidth to maybe not get as burnt out and not be called out and at the school board meetings where people are yelling at each other. So there's definitely a lot of burnout, um, but there's support in place. The American Library Association has funds for legal funds for libraries, librarians that are facing issues like this. Um, we have different committees and groups that meet and we talk and um, it sounds lame, but self-care is so important in this time for librarians. Well, and that's something I know we heard uh, Tabby talk about in the interview also is to make sure you're taking care of yourself. And I think that's like it's it's fantastic how much community support libraries can provide. It's the same, I think, with elementary schools. But the the dark side of that is that tends, I feel like a lot of times then the library becomes the only place where that support is occurring. And it just really drain. It can be really draining, I imagine. Go outside and breathe deeply as often as you need to. Staying in touch with the world we live in can save you sanity. Go sit by the lake or, or swim in it. Go take a long walk. It's kind of self-care that gives you the strength to go back into whatever it is you have to go back into. And I wanted to, they were talking about like walking from the children's library to the adult library. And one thing I learned when I was teaching is that that doesn't happen on like day one of fifth grade or like it's different for every kid. And I think I remember falling in love with reading in libraries, reading Matilda when I was little. And she talked about reading everything in the children's library. And then she had this list of the books in the older library that she could get access to. And like, I think The Secret Garden was on one of them in The Red Pony. And I was like, I'm going to read all of those books because <laughs> I'm going to be like Matilda. But Stephen King was my kind of access point into adult literature. So I wanted to kind of get your kind of thoughts on just the difference and when that transition kind of happens and how you like kind of gauge whether a reader would be ready for something. Because I do think there are some things in the adult library that not ch that children should not read and that that doesn't make it bad information but it's just kind of a matter of knowing the reader so how would you approach that as a librarian if that makes sense yeah that's a great question i hope i don't flub this up too much because i don't work <laughs> with children too often but um there's been a lot of talk about age appropriate books for kids and then mm -hmm. states wanting to put um, rating systems on books, just like we mm. have movies, which I don't think is a good idea for some reasons. Um, I see the intent with it and how that would make sense. Right. 
But um, the term that I'm more drawn to is age relevant because each child mm. is different. So what one eight-year-old wants to read might be very different than another eight-year-old wants to read. I know um, a lot of kids my son's age in third grade are reading Harry Potter and some of them mm-hmm. are finding it really thrilling and some think it's a little bit scary and they're just not ready to read it yet. So it's relevant for that age, but it's not necessarily appropriate for every child in that age range. So in an ideal world, um, the librarians know the kids that are coming in because they're often helping them find the books and they can see that this one kid comes back in with four or five books every week and he's tearing through them, whereas someone else might not be clicking well with the books they're reading and they're not bringing them back, not checking as many out. Maybe they're not as excited. So they can steer them towards other books that might have better interest. And hopefully parents are part of this conversation too, whenever possible with smaller kids, like bringing them in and helping them find the books. Mm -hmm. I remember my kids were really into Mo Willems because they're they're just very accessible. You know, and my my son read a lot of Dog Man recently and he's just kind of stepping into the chapter books. But it it just brings me right back to those days when, when you got that new book and you're like, I can read this book now? I've gotten there? It's so exciting. It's so exciting. How uh, how instrumental would you say is it with you know getting social media involved? I mean, I I know that right now, uh, particularly for reading, like book talk is huge, and I know that that's a huge part of uh, you know for publishers right now and leading into that. How instrumental is that for libraries? Like, are are there a digital presence that you have to keep? You know, a, not a digital, but a social media presence that you kind of have to prioritize as well. Yeah, there definitely is. Um different for different libraries because we all have different audiences. So public libraries are often sharing, you know, they have so many wonderful author talks and different events happening at the library. So there's a lot of sharing of that. Whereas with the main library association and other library associations, we're more likely to be sharing information about legislation that's happening and book censorship issues and things like that. And then there's also some national organizations doing really great work, um, notably the American Library Association and every library. Um, If you check out both of their pages, they have places that people can follow them to get updates on this thing, these um, issues of censorship. And what's great with both um, is that they are collecting followers, not just librarians, because so much of this is librarians talking to each other about censorship issues. So what we really need are communities and more people Mm. speaking up, which is why I'm so thrilled to be here talking to you all about this. Um, It was really interesting to me as we were planning the um, King fundraiser, I was like following social media threads on the King, on all the King social media things. And just wondering like what people's reaction would be to the dinner. And um, I saw a few people saying things like, oh, well, the tickets are pretty expensive, but the money goes to libraries and that's such a great cause. And I'm happy to give money to libraries, which was so refreshing to read after the last few months of like reading the comments in newspaper articles about like how, you know, often when these issues come up about, you know, um, criminalizing librarians, some of the threads can be kind of ugly. So it was like such a relief to be like reading through these and be like, oh my gosh, there's so many King fans who are library fans. Of course that makes sense, but it was delightful to see. Yeah. 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 Um, So Tabitha, you were on the board for many years at the Bangor Public Library and led a sizable campaign to renovate the library. And um, in the past few weeks, I've been reaching out to some Maine librarians to ask about the impact the two of you you have have made here in Maine. And I have a quote I'd like to read from Ben Treat. Ben's in the back there. He's the director of the Bangor Public Library. And so Ben wrote, 
Obviously, their books make them a household name internationally. But one of the greatest reasons that the Kings are beloved in Bangor is their generosity to the community, public parks, and athletic facilities, with many meaningful gifts, both broad and focused. But nothing comes up more often in Bangor than the Kings' ongoing support for the Bangor Public Library. Their generosity to the library began even before the 1996 renovation project. They took a leading public role in that work. They put their names, their time, their wealth, and their passion behind the fundraising effort that transformed, updated, and expanded on an 80-year-old facility whose public spaces had seen little to nothing in the way of renovation since the facility opened in 1913. This is really significant because American, America has an um, aging library infrastructure. The average public library building is more than 40 years old. Here in Maine, we have many libraries. Um, many of them were built through the generosity of Andrew Carnegie, who believed that the rich should give so the poor can improve their own lives and thus improve society. Carnegie, Carnegie helped to make these public libraries instruments of change, but then the communities were left to keep them up. Unfortunately, inadequate capital funding has made it really difficult for many libraries to address building concerns. At the federal level, Congress has not provided dedicated funding for library facilities since 1997. Nationally, public libraries have billions of dollars in access facilities needs. The King Foundation has been very generous to Maine libraries. I have heard from dozens, dozens of libraries in the past few weeks how grateful they are for your support. <laughs> so I know that um, you don't like to talk publicly about your support, but I do have to give you a few accolades here and share a few things that people have shared. So many wrote to me about your um, foundation's work replacing aging infrastructure. Many wrote about making historic buildings ADA compliant, which is so important so that all community members can enjoy libraries. Some wrote of you providing generators so that the libraries can be warming centers and provide consistent power. Not only did you modernize aging libraries, you've also created some new libraries, such as the Whitfield Libraries, whose doors only opened recently. We had communities here in Maine with no libraries until recently. And the library director from there wrote, every small rural town in Maine deserves a public library, and we proudly can now say that we have one. The Kings were a huge part of this. And then I heard from another library director who you helped open a library back in the 1990s, the director of the Faye O'Leary Hafford Library in Allagash. The director's mother established the library in 1998. The Stephen King Foundation Stephen and Tabitha King Foundation gave her a large startup grant. She requested many grants from them and was never refused. Randy Hafford Jondra wrote, we are truly blessed to have received help from them. This has allowed us to be part of the center of town. And I'm almost done here, but I did get many, many, many more emails that were very, it was overwhelming how many I got. But the Kings have also provided grants to undertake the digitization of town histories and historic newspapers. Another wrote that each contribution was a key part in campaigns for projects that made the library such a vital, vibrant part of their community. Another wrote that to see the look of pleasant surprise on the faces of our patrons as they enter our facility is one of the greatest pleasures the staff experience. 
And then someone else wrote, we will, forever, we will be forever grateful for the generosity of Stephen and Tabitha King. It's impossible to thank them enough. And I think they sum it up here perfectly in all caps. They rock three exclamation points. <laughs> I feel like we just died. One of our when we were in Maine last year, one of our favorite places to go was the library, and we went to the Banger Public Library. And I have you probably can't see it, but I have my necklace where we could buy a piece of the dome. Um, Tabitha spearheaded kind of renovating, and they took a piece of the old building and they sold it as jewelry. If we haven't talked about, I think we talked about that on another episode. But anyways, it was the coolest library. It was so nice and it just felt so welcoming and man what what he spent like two hours there just oh we were there for a while around it was so great and i know that king is such a supporter of the community especially libraries so i kind of wanted to ask what it's like working in a main library and knowing that you have someone like stephen king and tabitha king that have your back and that are going to support you It's wonderful. As you heard in the talk, I had reached out to librarians in Maine before that just to sort of like get some stories. I had so many responses. They have made impact on so many libraries in Maine, like in big ways, um, really supportive. And they, um, most of their grants are a match. So they'll give a certain amount and then the community has to come up with the amount. But everyone has, um, many comments came in about how supportive they were in helping find that fundraising and helping with the fundraising process. Also, it wasn't just sort of like, all right, well, figure it out. Like they were there to help everyone every step of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny how, um, I don't know if you heard it, Stephen said he was embarrassed talking about it all. Yeah, yeah. he hates it. Mm-hmm. They're so <laughs> humble about it, but they were in a room full of librarians. And I'm like, I know this is a little uncomfortable, but I have to make it clear, like how much we all appreciate you. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I wanted to ask, is there anything that you wanted to share or do you, would you like to sing their praises a little bit more? Because they are yeah. so humble and I find that so endearing, you know? Same. I mean, I, aside from what I said, um, they're just, it's just wonderful to have them here in the state, to have them supporting literacy, supporting libraries, both as places that promote literacy, but also as community centers where towns can come together and there's space. You don't have to buy a cup of coffee to be in the library. It's there for everyone. And they recognize that and support that. Yeah. They, I mean, that, that was, I mean, one of the biggest things when we were in on the, the SK tours last year, it was just hearing like, kind of how it was almost like uh, the it was almost like I was like, you're in like Wonka in, in there, like uh, uh-huh. the, the child where you're like hearing about all these, you know, different things. It's like, well, the baseball diamond, you know, was that he resurrected that and made sure that that was all, you know, up to standards and, you know, did stuff with the rec hall and, um, you know, also, you know, donated uh, to the radio station and made the radio station what it is today. And just hearing all these stories and just knowing that, like, it's like almost like the Johnny Appleseed of philanthropy. Like I, it's, 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 but, but without ever, ever putting a name to it, like there's a, a funny Kirby enthusiasm episode uh, with Larry David. And he talks about like, you know, he donates a lot of money to this, with this museum wing and he puts his name on it, but then someone else puts anonymous next to it. And everyone's like uh, anonymous. That's uh it's pretty good. I, I respect that. And then it's just like, why well, donate it too? It's just like, yeah, but your name's up there or whatever. I do think there is like, it's, it is almost better that like he never talks about it because it is such a, 
it, it first off, it does feel just so earnest, but also like it is weird to talk about, right? Like it is kind of like because th- there is that toe of you do toe that line of being like, oh, he kind of comes off a little self self righteous. So I I get the the humility that he has here because I I would certainly. F- be blushing too if it's like when you pick up a dinner tab and then everyone was just like oh thank you so much it's like oh, don't don't worry about it just let's just <laughs> let's just go can we just go all right let's go i want to have a cigarette um but yeah so i i, I do i've always respect that but i was marveling at just like god he does so much it is a lot like at some point you do have to stop and go you know good job like seriously like bravo like you do deserve this like you could you could take a you know applause once in a while but that um, SK tour really drove it home for me how much he, they did in just that one community. Uh-huh. It, yeah. It's wild. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you're as a librarian, you can't spend all of your time raising money because then you can't do your job. So it is so nice to, to I think, have somebody that prominent be visibly supporting this um, this cause because that tells somebody else, oh, maybe I can maybe I can give a little bit more, you know, and then it kind of takes the pressure off of of the librarians who need to do their jobs, you know, <laughs> because yeah. they're, it's a busy job. Um, I wanted to ask, um, when you go into the library, what's the first section you go to? Nonfiction. New. Nonfiction. Non-fiction. Really? Yeah. I nice. love to see what's new in that area. What sections are you most drawn to? Um, let's see. Anything sort of history or not, I don't want to say self-care, but sort of mm-hmm. like Adam Grant vein of like, how to optimize your life. I don't know. That's pretty boring. I'm definitely, <laughs> I don't have a literature background. I know that many of you on the podcast here do. So it was always funny when I worked in public libraries and people started asking me like in-depth questions on Shakespeare <laughs> or something. I'm like, I have no idea. I have a political science degree. <laughs> oh, nice. How about you all? What's your section? Oh, it's always Stephen King. I go straight to the Stephen King section. I want to see what they have. I want to see the different copies. Like, I love looking at the different, um, you can kind of track the age of a publication like Pet Cemetery, based on like the different covers. And it's, I'm always super uh, drawn to that. And then horror in general. But I'm like you, I'm gravid- I'm going more towards nonfiction also. And I just got a really interesting book. I think it's interesting. It's about the history of the folktale and how they have, have kind of evolved over time and and so there's there's a lot more to nonfiction than I think a lot of people think they think it's all going to be really dry history and and some of it is but I mean there's a lot more there and so I, I always love another fellow nonfiction reader <laughs> I love a good biography like on writing I do too 100 percent. yeah on writing is oh, great so yeah. good yeah I just read uh Shirley Jackson's biography also which I love I mean, I, I think that's, I was just talking to my brother about this because uh, he was saying you know, with Oppenheimer coming out, uh, he was like, oh, it's kind of cool that we're we're starting to get these like, you know, historical pictures again. And I'm like, well, I think we're finally realizing that like, there are so many stories that have happened over the last, even just 40 years. Like one of the, one of the staggering things I was thinking about was so I was watching Apollo 13. This is a little bit of a tangent. I apologize. Wow. What a surprise. I've only done like six of them today already, but like I was watching Apollo 13 and it dawned on me that I was like, all right, so that movie was made in 95 and the events happened in 1970. So that means it was only 25 years ago. And now I'm like almost further away from what, where Apollo 13 was to where, when it actually, you know, the events took place when the movie came out. And so I was also thinking about like movies that came out this year, like there's a big trend going on with like a lot of nonfiction stories that are making it to the big screen, like um, air that came out earlier this year, which is like about Michael Jordan and the shoe. And then it really 
joggled my mind. I was like, oh my God, we were further away from the the creation of the Air Jordan and everything that happened with Nike than Apollo 13 was when Apollo 13 came out. And I, ultimately, what the point I was getting at was that there's so many stories that we still think are modern, but they're not. Like they're, they're, you know, we're like 40, 50 years removed from them. And these are great stories. And I think that mm-hmm. that's one of the things I love about nonfiction too, is because, you know, don't get me wrong. I'll, I'll always love reading fiction. It's, it's going to be great to hear stories, but to actually read a, an incredible story and know that it actually happened. I mean, that's part and parcel why I love history so much. And I, I think that, mm-hmm. that that's one of the, the, the big joys I get out of uh, reading a, a lot of nonfiction too. I, the thing I, I love with a lot of nonfiction books is when they do like the oral history and you get like, you know, God, I don't know, 50 or 80 names that are just going and telling stories and anecdotes. And it's such a very ancient style of telling a story because you're just listening to like a bunch of people that are all like explaining this thing. But I am so addicted to those books. Like it, you could, it could be about just, oh, here's how post-its were created. And it's like 80 people talking about it. I'm like, all right, I'm in. I'm just, this, this is great. Talking heads galore. I'm, I'm all, I'm all, I'm all for it. So I'm a big supporter of nonfiction for sure. Um, the, I think, it, I think it's, I think honestly, We'd probably be better off reading more of it because there's just so much you can learn from trials and tribulations that people have gone before us, you know? So, well, and it's interesting because Tabby was talking about fiction and not in fact and like where the difference lies and that you can get across facts and truths through fiction. And then, you know, you can't always trust what you read, which I'm sure as a kind of disseminator of information, you know, sourcing is really important too. So it's just, it's really interesting to kind of think through all of the different elements of that. If you could say something to the larger public about libraries or about anyone who maybe wants to be a librarian, what, what would you say? Sure. Well, if I could say anything to anyone about libraries right now um, and today, it would be definitely that um, libraries matter. We want people to be library supporters, and we really need you to be library supporters right now, given the increases in censorship attempts, the legislation that's trying to criminalize librarians. Um, We have really inconsistent funding. Funding can go up and down. It's never just stable and secure. So there's always tension around that. Um, We know that in our communities, the majority of folks um, do not um, support uh, censorship issues. So every library has a poll out that 75% of Americans oppose book bans. Um, And the American Library Association has a very similar one with um, 71% of people um, opposing book bans. So we know that our communities are against this, um, but there's so many other things that weigh on your time and your advocacy efforts, right? So I think um, the thing I would want to say to people is just just be a library supporter. Use your library, support your library, whether it's by writing a letter to the editor or speaking up as a citizen. Um, that's, That's what would be most helpful right now. What's the best thing about being a librarian? Definitely learning new things every day. Like no day is just the same. I think this probably goes for every library and there's certain tasks certainly that we all have to do throughout the week, but you never know what someone's going to ask you. I once answered mm. a phone at a public library desk and the guy on the other end is like, you are a very brave woman. I was like, oh gosh, where's this going? He's like, you have no <laughs> idea what I'm about to ask you right now. And it just turned out to be a normal question, but like, he's right. Mm. Like you have no idea what people will ask you, what rabbit holes you're going to go down. And it's really interesting. 
The other thing is just connecting with the people. Um, at the college mm-hmm. I work with, I, I work at, I get to connect with the students and I learn about their research and I get to know them in public libraries. I've worked with business owners who are starting businesses, starting their business plan, and to see those businesses still flourishing is really heartening. Working with um, new Mainers who are working on their immigration testing in their forms, coming and asking for help, and then you see them actually when they become citizens and how proud they are. The same with job seekers who come in, like looking for resume help and finding jobs, and then they come in to tell you they got the job. It's all just so heartwarming and wonderful, and it all happens at the library. Yeah, I think I think it's ultimately the the, the big, you know, takeaway that I've I've had to just even just thinking about it all this this week is just I mean this podcast wouldn't exist without libraries like I I'll be no. uh, you know straight up right there I mean I so much of it comes from like I was saying before that sense of discovery and I think that sense of discovery adds such a personalization to why you end up loving reading you know, altogether and I think a lot of people in my generation will probably say oh well I you know I loved the scholastic book fairs and, you know, doing the order forms. And I loved all that stuff too. Don't get me wrong. It was great coming back from recess and being like, Oh my God, four boxcar children books in a goosebumps light. I can't believe it. But I think that it really always goes back to just that first moment. Like I was saying, walking across that Ivy bridge and realizing like, ultimately it's this, it's what King always says, what he says in non-writing, like, you know, books are a portable magic. And mm-hmm. so is the library and the library is the greatest conduit for it. And I, you know, I, I, I praying to God in this <laughs> wild world that we live in, like that it continues to stay as a timeless institution and that we, you know, you know, people like yourself, Sonia are, are right there in the forefront, just fighting mm-hmm. for it and keeping it alive. And, um, you know, just want to thank you for, for doing that. I mean, I, I could, I think it's an absolute, arguably the most important service we could have because, if we're not enlightened, if we're not growing and we're not evolving, what are we? So, mm-hmm. you know, um, I just want to thank you so much for, you know, taking the time to talk to us and also th- thank you, you know, f- for reaching out to us and wanting to actually have this conversation with us. I mean, we, again, like this podcast is a, is a, is a literary podcast. We are indebted to books, but again, it all goes back to, to our trips to the library. So, um, yeah. I would argue also this podcast would not be here if it weren't for libraries, because Stephen, this is a podcast about Stephen King and him and Tabby met at the library. So his career has pretty much come from him meeting her and them working together. And so here, yeah. So you both worked at the Fuller Library at UMaine Orono. I believe that's where you met. Is that correct? Can you tell us a little bit about your jobs at the Fogler Library and a little bit maybe about the romance that was moving in the stacks? <laughs> well, I don't know what they called them, but I, Tabby was always like one up on me because she could shelve. <laughs> I was just the guy who just rolled those carts around. I was basically grunt labor. (laughs) I knew of Steve before I met him. Um, He wrote a long letter to the student newspaper, as always, showing off. (laughs) And I read that long letter. No, I read that long letter and I said, this guy beat me to it. I could have written this letter. He got a call out of it from the paper, and I was really pissed about that. <laughs> and then I finally met him. So 
somebody pointed him out to me and said, that's Steve King. This is big shambling guy in cut off gum rubbers. <laughs> um, but we did, we did actually meet within the library. Um, and there was a whole group of us who worked there, uh, allegedly worked there, we collected wages for it. Uh, <laughs> but I think there was a good amount in the summer of um, racing carts in the stacks and yep. slapping off. <laughs> I yeah. loved hearing all of those stories. We were talking before we started recording, like they just seemed so sweet together. And it was just so nice to hear them kind of talk about and reminisce about that. And it was, it was so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's what the King writes, cause a wheel. You know, everything comes yeah. around. So it's exactly. that is that, that is interesting that so it does the seeds of the relationship start there too. Cause I remember us discussing that in like an archives episode, Jenna. Like I think like when they mm -hmm. met up. Well, and we t she talked about his letter to the editor t yeah. that got him the column too that we read in yeah. one of our archives episodes. So yeah, it's, so it's it's pretty wild yeah. how it all goes back to that. But it really is, yeah. yeah. We all need marriage advice from them too. They are just such. I know. People. I did not sit at the dinner table with them because I didn't want to be king greedy. So I let my colleagues sit with them because I was going to get to talk to them. But um, I guess they were like we had a DJ um, and they were dancing to the music and they're oh, oh my god saying like oh remember the time we were at the party and heard this song and like at the end of the interview somewhere near the end and he just goes god i love you like it's just such a heartwarming kind couple not everybody is born knowing what they're supposed to do but every once in a while you run into somebody who just knows and i think steve always knew from the time he could read his letters and read it all um, that he was going to do that um, other people, maybe they don't find it until later on, but uh, that, was, that was just destined to be. I've always thought that it must have been difficult to raise Steve, <laughs> that um, he has or had a phenomenal memory of his youngest years. He remembers things he shouldn't remember, <laughs> but he's old now, <laughs> so he's slipping. Forget everything, that's yeah. right. Sometimes I have to remind him of things like how long COVID went on and so on. <laughs> God, I love you. Yeah. I yeah. heard that and I almost teared up. I was like, oh, they're so sweet. I love them. I love them to death. Uh, yeah, they're like the best kind of like why you do want to meet your heroes sometimes, you know. 100%. Yeah. And you asked Jen before um, what else I would say to them, which I neglected to say, they are very um, generous with their money, but also with their time. Like we honestly expected them to say no to our ask and we were fine with that. We're like, well, we'll just mm -hmm. happens. But they came and they uh, generously donated their time. They were super chill to work with, like no like crazy demands, like no blue mm -hmm. in our bowl. <laughs> like they were just very nice and down to earth kind people and so generous with their time. And have you read a lot of his fiction? I think I'm a big Stephen King fan until I listened to your podcast and I realized <laughs> it depth you all go with it. I'm like, wow, I know nothing about Stephen King, but I have been reading him my entire life. I'm looking forward to Holly coming out. And oh, yes. Yeah, I, I do definitely read Stephen King. <laughs>
Yeah, we we take it to another. We're, we're nuts. I mean, it, yeah, we we take the term rabbit hole and we we take it to the extreme. Well, it's because we never thought that this would ever do anything. So we were like, oh, let's just put everything out on the on the you know on record, and we didn't realize the sort of you know weird bar we were setting for ourselves. We're I like, know, but it's we, so much fun. Yeah, it's yeah. like I could spend like hours just talking about like the text and in Duma Key, you know. And I'm fascinated by what it was she suggested. I know. That's in the, Duma Key. I was yeah. like, you've got to tell us. Yeah. Because we just covered that on the pod. And I was like, yeah. oh, like, what did she know. recommend? Yeah. It's the, the, being able to hear the banter and stuff between them, and especially just them whispering and murmuring amongst each other as they're getting questions. Um, very unique experience. So I I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't stress it enough though. I appreciate you being able to share this with us. This is awesome. So. Well, I appreciate oh, yeah. having me. I listened to so many episodes of your show getting ready. So I feel like you've commuted to work with me on numerous <laughs> occasions. We've spent a lot of time together in my car. The first one I listened to was when you had Jamie Tinker on from SK Tours and I was not aware of them. So, you know, to do my scholarly research, I had to take a day off of work and drive up to Bangor and take his tour. And wow. Okay. <laughs> we're so wonderful. And they're just kind people. And they both came to the event. So I was really glad for that connection from this podcast. Oh, uh, yeah, that was that was an, that was a fun. So app. Much fun. That was a great mm-hmm. app because hearing all the anecdotes, uh, you know, from Jamie and we were just, you know, we had never heard him because we hadn't done the tour yet. And we were just kind of blown away by just all the little stories and he's got such a great voice in terms of telling the stories too so like even mm-hmm. without being on the tour we had I, I did have like a visual palette in my head of just like what he was discussing what he was sharing and um yeah that that's awesome to hear because i was that, i've always i was always really stoked about that episode because it was something that I'd, I'd heard about for years and the fact that we were able to make the time to make it happen it was just it was really fun and they're so nice they're like just the the, the nicest people in the world and i felt we had to leave Banger last year. That was like, certainly like, I was like, ah, I wish we could hang out with them all the time. And they're so I nice. Know. <laughs> you know? I know. And the tour was fantastic too. Yeah. If anybody's traveling to Maine, I highly recommend it. Like I teared up when we got to the Barrens and then the standpipe. Yeah. Like, oh my yeah. Gosh, we're here. And it was just so, it was wonderful. Yeah. Highly recommend it also for anyone who visits mm. Maine. Yeah. So great. <laughs> Well, Sonia, you are welcome anytime. If there's ever a book that you're like, Absolutely. I want to talk about this book, if even if you like read Holly and you're like, ah, I kind of would like to, to give us, you know, to chat this out a little bit, you know, you know what door to knock. We're always here. Absolutely. You're always welcome to to join and talk to us. And, you know, we love talking to you. So, oh, yeah, this was Thank a you. delight. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank yeah. you very much. I really appreciate it. Well, good luck with everything. And please do never hesitate to let us know if we can help out in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. So, Likewise, if you ever need any library assistance, I am here. We'll, we'll do. We'll do. Thanks a lot. <laughs> so much. Have Take care. Bye. Bye. Great chat. That was a great chat. I, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I. She is so cool. I know. I know. I. I you know, I feel like I want to spend the rest of the summer in the library. I know you, you just you, you got me thinking about, you know, fuck you money. I think you know you said you'd be like Belle. I think I'd probably be like more like Beast and just like go get a a castle and just live there forever and uh-huh. um you know it'd be but the, unfortunately we live in a world where like you know things in your house like clocks and and uh candles can't come to life so it would be kind of yeah. lonely up there I think uh yeah. wait wait a second I haven't seen Beauty and the Beast in a while does does like Beast hang out with those with the clocks and stuff and like the no he, he's mean to them he's kind of mean right but, yeah okay. he's like a, a domineering landlord I mean he is weirdly lovable um 
you know, and I, I prefer him better as Beast than yeah. as the human long hair weirdo. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure he's nice. But yeah, but the it seems like all the plates and the dishes and like Cogsworth and Lumiere, like they have so much more fun. When yeah, they do. Around. Yeah. So yeah. I could see you as like a, a, a fun little like maybe a bookshelf come to life. You yeah, know? that'd be cool. Like the yeah. History bookshelf. Yeah. 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 Or it'd be like the page master where I'm like horror and I just like wander yes. around like, uh, but um. That's it. <laughs> By the way, we've we have an episode on Pagemaster, which you can, uh, which honestly probably is a good double feature with this episode because that's all about oh, libraries, yeah. the power of the library, where you can go on many adventures. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> speaking, well, and- <laughs> I was going to ask you though: Are you going to go to your local library for the rest of the summer? Absolutely. And you know what else they have at libraries? They have air conditioning. That's true. And I have just been a week in uh, very hot places with not a lot of air conditioning. So, yes, I'm going to be um, I got a lot of nonfiction to read and I got some stuff to some shelves to browse. So, yes, I will be spending it with my nose in a book and on the Libby app, which is another thing we talked about, like virtually yeah. accessing the library, too. So Well, you're yeah. going to have to look through there because you just actually finished a much anticipated book today. I did. Yes, I finished Holly today. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. Cannot uh, wait to talk about it with you guys. I know. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. That's definitely going to be in the future. Uh, mm-hmm. Also in the future, though, uh, Sonia's coming back. We're, we're going to yes. be talking, we're, we, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully I'm just like confirming this already, <laughs> but we, we wanted to talk more about censorship because, you know, mm-hmm. sadly, again, this is a, a topic that's not going to fade away anytime soon. It's clearly one, you know, that that's near and dear to a lot of constant readers hearts because look, you know, if censorship goes too far, we don't have Stephen King in the library sometimes. So, you know, we, right. we, we gotta, we gotta fight it ourselves. Just uh, you know, just like just like uh, many of the characters do in King's Dominion. Uh, which, <laughs> speaking of King's Dominion, we've got so much content coming up. We've got not one, not two, but three whole episodes dedicated to Under the Dome. Uh, the first of wow. which you can actually unlock right now on the Barrens, and uh, then that's going to take us into the hottest month of the summer, uh, August, which is the month that I was born. And uh, let's just oh. say. Not a fun month for me because <laughs> my entire life, my birthday fell right before, well, literally the first day of school. So not only was I bummed to be going to school, but it was too early in the school year to like for them to, you know, some plan, plan some cakes and cupcakes. So I, I just, you mm. know, never got anything. It was like, oh, it's your birthday. Uh, well, that, you know, maybe we'll remember it next year. And then in my head, I'd be like, I don't have you as a teacher next year. Um, but <laughs> I was like really oh. angry. Um, but it, everything worked out great. You know, my parents got divorced <laughs> and I got some really cool gifts. Um, so Not bitter about it at all. Right. Not bitter at all. No, it was really fun. Um, but anyway, what we're doing in August is we're going to finish Under the Dome. And then we're also our first long watch of the year. It's been Ooh. since the mist back in November wow, since we've really? done one. Yeah, it's been a long time, uh, just like the Leo song says. And we yeah. are going to do one on Louis Teague's Cujo, which, <gasps> yeah, yeah. So... Jen, I don't know if you want to, do you want to be on that one? Are you a big Cujo fan? Uh, yeah, fuck okay. yes. I love that. And that okay. movie terrifies me. Yeah, it's a scary movie and it's a, it can be a scary episode because we're going to mm-hmm. go very long as we always do on these long watch <laughs> episodes. And I, I have already, earlier this year I prepped for it and I bought like old Fangoria episode or episodes, installments, uh, back issues. That's the right word. And I've already been reading uh, interviews for it with it. I'm, tr- I'm going to try 
to to get Miss Donna Trenton herself uh, on. Yes. You know, so that would be. See if we could get Tad too. Oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah. We're going to try to, at the very least, get Dee Wallace. We'd love to get her on. I know that, you know, this is one of King's favorite performances, so it seems Mm -hmm. right that we would try to, to be able to talk to her about it. If not, you know, apologies. We'll have, I'm already apologizing for this thing that's going to happen in a month from now. But look, if we don't get uh, Dewalls, it's going to be a pretty cool episode. And we've got some other stuff that's going to be uh, coming up. We also, this month, uh, we're going to be doing a fifth anniversary watch along in our Discord with uh, for Castle right. Rock. So that's, that's going to be yes. next week, actually. It's coming up around the corner. So fun uh, fact. Yeah. Castle Rock has a scars guard in it. So it does. I will be there. <laughs> yeah, you'll be you'll be talking all about the John Wick 4 villain, uh Bill Skarsgård. So <laughs> I, I haven't seen that movie, but I haven't either, I imagine but he's great. <laughs> I, I know he's in it and I'm sure he's creepy as ever because that's I hear he all wears he a is. sweater. Maybe, does he really? Even a turtleneck sweater. Oh, yeah. interesting. Like a villainous thing to do. Like yeah. if you were a bad Skarsgård, you'd probably wear a turtleneck sweater, you know. Were you bummed out that uh Billy Skarsgård wasn't in Succession? the final season yes yeah i was could have been like no. it could have been like uh the equivalent Evil to twin. roman yeah like he could yes like, you know, <gasps> that would have been cool oh but, no you know, now i want that missed, missed opportunity make it happen i know come on yeah. he was too busy doing um clark which is also very good i don't know if you've seen it i've not Swedish, okay interesting but, but interesting. you know there's subtitles but he, he's very hot in it well, I, I, I watch most things with subtitles now because Sammy prefers it that way. So we've, oh, really? yeah, yeah, we're, I've gotten so used to it that I now have comedies on and I'm like, oh, there's the joke. And oh, then they said it. And like, uh-huh. so it's, uh, <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, but anyway, stay tuned with us. You could do that by following us on our social. Speaking of Sammy, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Losers Club Pod or at the Losers Club Podcast. By the way, if you're like, uh, I'm not really big into Twitter, guess what? There's a new social media network in town. Uh, it's strolled right in and it's got its uh, gunslinger guns uh, blazing. It's called Threads. So if you're already on Instagram and you want to be able to actually click on some links and see some more stuff, just join threads. God, I'm just like doing a shill for Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> but anyway, we're on there. You could find us on there. So you could do that too. Or you can just, you know, follow us on the regular socials if you haven't already. Um, and yeah, Sammy's killing it on the social account. She's she's busy as a bee. Uh, the the very same bee that would be zooming around Camber Ranch. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. So last but not least, if you're feeling charitable, and please do, uh, give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can let us know how we're doing by giving us some bright red Pennywise clown noses to your favorite, your devoted, your only Losers Club. Thank you for joining me today, Jen. Uh, oh, and thank you. This was super fun. Uh, I w- was so stoked to be able to go to the library. And all of you out me there, too. support your local libraries. And if you want to hear the full keynote speech, you can also look in the description of this episode and we have the link there. So, or you can look in our socials because we'll be promoting it there also as well. But thank you as always to Jen and thank you, Kyle Rosevich, who, look, he keeps us from veering off the beam without him. <laughs> as I say on multiple episodes, because it's written right here in the script, I would be sitting here on the highway strumming along like <laughs> Larry Underwood in 1994. And speaking of the road, we'll be seeing you over long days and pleasant nights. I got some hot friends. I got some hot friends. I got some hot friends.